Hey, you guys there? Yep. John, you still there? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> What's up and welcome to another episode of Movie Schmovie, episode number 248. Uh, I am Steve, and who else is here with me? I'm Ron. And I'm John. And we're here. I mean, somehow we're doing it, guys. I mean, making it happen. Yes. We got yep. our, little, our little remote setup going so that we can kind of get on a call and, and chat it up and get the, the schmovie, uh, the vibes going out there again. Maybe catch up with one another in the process, hopefully. Haven't talked to you guys in a bit. We could have been doing remote episodes all along because the big thing that holds us up sometimes is wanting to get together face-to-face and then, you know, not being able to do that. Yeah. But now, it's like the fact that we have the ability and the, the framework for doing these remote episodes where we all are in our homes, recording ourselves separately, and then joining those files together. Like, I think that is something that, I don't know if you guys had the thought of like, well, gosh, maybe this, this quarantine is actually going to help us get some content out because now <laughs> yeah. not only... Absolutely. Are we able to record from home? But now we're all three of us being forced to stay home, more or less. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah There's a silver lining right there. There is. So we might say we'll be back with you next week or in a couple weeks or whatever and actually mean it this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're stuck. Plenty of time to do plenty of time to do things like this. So uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, we got plenty of time to, to to talk about those movies that aren't coming out. Yes. <clears throat> well, or are they? <laughs> Uh, right? Are they? Dun, yeah, dun, dun. in a different way. <laughs> the idea that this virus could be the thing that shortens the uh, theater to God, a home window yeah. is crazy. But I mean, again, I guess that's that's what life is: surprises, <laughs> one after the other. It'd be funny if the the studios presented it like that, not VOD, just in a different way with a, a lots of A's. In, virus in on demand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's funny because like it's kind of like it's kind of like they're reacting to to like the environment situation, like what they have to do to like like some of these movies that maybe aren't gonna you know be worth uh, pushing back based on like the marketing that was already you know put forward for them, and you know it's like we got to get this movie out no matter what, like we can't just like push it back or bench it or start all over again. I mean, you'll notice that the bigger movies like. I'm not going to probably fall victim to this. I mean, if that happened, that would be the that would be the moment that shit changes permanently. I think. Yeah. You know, if, if if you're talking like if if Bond hadn't been pushed back or if Wonder Woman has some sort of compromise or or something like that, like those titles. But I mean, what we're seeing like this week that we're talking about for maybe anybody that hasn't seen it or or or, or heard it yet, but a, a number of theatrical releases that were. Um, you know, either at the very beginning of their theatrical window or maybe even a few weeks into it um, due to the, I mean, pretty much all movie theaters closing uh, in the country, um, you know, basically have found their way on a video on demand platform for like a rental window. And in some cases, like, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday and like the Disney Pixar's onward, you know, Friday evening came out on the the video on demand service. And then in two weeks, it'll be on Disney plus, you know, yeah. it, it, it's interesting to see like what the criteria is maybe on the budget or the, you know, the marketing of a film, but like movies like, 
you know, The Invisible Man, which was in theaters for maybe only three weeks, you know, The Hunt, which was only in theaters for a week, um, same thing for like Emma, which was only in theaters for a week. The Way Back comes out next week or, or two weeks from now. I can't remember if it's the 24th or the 31st. But it's just crazy to see like these movies that kind of got stuck in limbo um, where they had already come out. And even onward, you know, that that's probably the biggest profile one of all those titles that I just named. Um, yeah. You know, to be basically forced to just adapt and do something to cover in some way, which like that film was already kind of underperforming for uh, a Pixar film and and now will, you know, ultimately be one of the I mean, I'm, I'm assuming one of the most, you know, the biggest losses of, of the releases that they've ever put out. I mean, unless there's some monster video on demand um, response to it, which still, you know, that movie would have had that in three months anyway. But yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's exciting. Like, it, it's kind of exciting because you, 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 we, like, this, everybody that's into this, like, kind of tracks this progress of, like, the, the window shortening, the theatrical window shortening and, like, you know, the drum of Netflix has been banging on that for, you know, that idea for the past few years of like bringing movies to, you know, forcing movies to a shorter window or, hey, come make a movie for us and it'll be available everywhere on the same day. But, you know, those are some big titles, like admittedly and selfishly, like I didn't get to see The Invisible Man in theaters yet. And I was really bummed that I was going to possibly miss it and have to wait like three weeks. I mean, three months to see it. So, like, that title, or even The Hunt, like, you know, that's exciting, you know, I think for me um, to be able to get those when they came out on Friday night for their video on demand window. Um, and the same thing with Onward. Like, I didn't get to see that when it came out. You know, and uh, same type of thing where, like, it's kind of crazy that you can rent it for 20 bucks for a 48-hour window when, you know, going to the theater for two people is more money than that. And I'm not trying to say they're apples to apples because a movie like The Invisible Man, for sure, I would have rather seen in the theater. But there's some, I don't know, it's, it's such a unique thing that, like John's saying, like that this this kind of viral or this virus that this country and the world is dealing with has really kind of like brought the movie industry to its knees, you know, in a way that they were kind of already there um in in terms of like the theatrical window and like just the the theater experience to begin with and like a lot of people are wondering and myself included i mean i don't think this is going to be a lasting um thing you know like in terms of like the the fact that movies aren't going to go to theaters anymore but it'll be really interesting to see the impact and the long-term effects that this has on even just the window like the window getting smaller and like as a as a movie stays in theaters for three or, or, or that window is three months, like why is it you know they, the 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 reason or the the what do you call it like the explanation or the justification for somebody trying to say it should be smaller, they could look at something like this where a movie makes its money usually in the first the first three to four weeks if it makes it that far, the average movie, and you know it could go to VOD in six weeks or eight weeks and and you know possibly make more money when it's still possibly relevant to people that didn't get to see it in theaters, um, but yeah I don't know it's it's just like it's such a weird thing to hear them say that these movies are on video on demand like that quick like my body did not react. Like in a way that I've ever reacted before. Like I was like, yeah. like saying, like I was like super excited and like, holy shit, I'm gonna watch. I can't wait to watch Visible Man this Friday night. Like 
that's not something I've felt for like these first run movies ever in my life, and that's kind of crazy, you know. It is. Well, you know, there's so much. There's so much that we need to unpack and and go back and pick through about what you just said, Steve. There's so much in there. One, I think we've all seen Onward, and we should definitely talk about Onward, right? Both sure. just as a movie and as part of this this new effort they're making to try to get uh, some exposure, some some uh, return on some of these movies that are being, uh, you know, hobbled by the, the theaters shutting down. Sure. Um, but I think also, like, this idea of the big movies that were the tent poles and were the kind of things that were staked out on the calendar uh, last year and that we would have talked about when we, when we were talking about anticipated films, those movies being wiped off the calendar and an ambiguity around filming on movies that have largely halted most big movies that are filming like dominoes, just one by one, one after the other. If you followed the headlines, all these movies stopped filming. All these movies are off the calendar. All these movies that were either in the theater or about to hit the theater are now looking at arriving in our homes. Right. Um, and we're talking about huge films that have been that have been put off that long like fast and furious was a movie a lot of people were very excited about and that's a year away now because they now need to structure a new marketing uh campaign around it they can't just plop it in the theater a few months later because a few months later there's other stuff crowding and we don't even know if theaters are going to be open in a few months so you can see just from the yeah. the confused way i'm trying to pick through all that stuff there's so many issues and um and interesting topics that are related to the stuff that we talk about all the time in theory. And suddenly the theories became real. This question of, well, how are they going to get movies out to people if the theatrical experience is not just losing steam, but not an option? Yeah. When the first one, the James Bond movie, got bumped back, that was like, whoa, that's crazy. They just yanked that away from people that were about to get to see that in about a month, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I think the last one of the big movies to get moved was Black Widow, uh, Marvel moving that. I somehow think Black Widow could almost be hyped as a big uh, video-on-demand home release, and it wouldn't somehow hurt the profile of that movie too much, because as much as I think that movie looks fun, mm -hmm. I don't think that movie has a particularly high profile. I, it's a bigger surprise or a bigger mystery to me how you then just halt... You know, the Billie Eilish song was already on the radio for the James Bond movie. They're going to pick that string up in November somehow. Um, and then Fast and the Furious, who knows? Do you think there's going to be reshoots and retooling? Do you think these are movies that they would be happy to spend more time uh, tinkering with? Or do you really think it's just a calendar decision that if, if, if it doesn't fit in april then we can't get it in before november right so i was gonna say in terms of everything that's happening uh there these are these releases are being referred to as home premieres um interesting fact about all three of those movies they kind of fall within the movies anywhere package so we kind of talked about that before it's the situation where some studios have agreed to share these movies between services so if you buy it if you sign up for movies anywhere and connect your google and itunes and fandango go fandango now and a couple other services these movies can all be connected what's even cooler about that is you can also share your login with a couple people so you could technically buy a movie like onward which i did i bought onward for twenty dollars and I could give a friend a login to my Movies Anywhere account and they could experience the movie from like a, a sign-in just like Netflix. They could have their own sign-in and access those things. So right. the experience is changing, but it also can be shared in a way that is shared pretty similar to Netflix if you don't mind spending the money, um, however you acquire the movies. But if you decide you want to spend the money, there are ways for other people to experience it as well. 
which is really right. cool. What was your reaction like when you were or when when we were like talking it up on our Facebook thread or like when you saw it online? Like when they just started announcing rather quickly, in my opinion, that like a lot of these titles were coming out like this Friday. Yeah, you know what I mean, was, like what what? How did you react to that? Um, it it's scary, man. Like so, it feels so. The problem with all this stuff is like um, if 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 the lights go out, right? And we're all, all three of us are in a room. And I say, hey, John, Steve, are you there? I'm waiting for both of you to sound as calm as humanly possible, right? So I don't get scared. The problem is the lights went out and everybody's screaming. <laughs> so it feels very frantic in terms of like, uh, I, w- I want the studios to be a little calmer about it. But it feels very frantic. Right. In a time where we don't want to be frantic, we don't want to be scared, it feels desperate, and we don't want uh, despair to be a trait that people are kind of exuding right now. So right. it scared me a little bit, to be honest with you. I don't know how you yeah. guys felt about it. I just think of how, how how nervous and scared these studio people are about their window closing and their likelihood of getting any kind of traction closing. Yeah. And with something like Onward, which I, I don't know anything about the numbers of Onward. I don't know how much it cost. I don't know how much it made. I don't know what it was projected to make. I don't know how it stacks up to other Pixar movies. But I can totally see that the profile of the movie was not very large to me. Um, you know, it might be because I have a son who's kind of, he's 12 and he's sort of self selecting as aging out of certain things and one of them is you know going to see every animated movie you know Mm, (laughs) he's just not as interested and that one just didn't really break through to my house so i had the pixar feeling of oh i'm gonna watch that but i didn't have the excitement around oh there's a new trailer or here's a new glimpse or oh it's out in theaters and it happened to hit the theaters at a moment when i was very busy and preoccupied so i don't know there's a lot of reasons why when that movie was coming out on on demand i was like oh that's kind of cool but it was a real sign for me of oh wow they, they really feel like their best shot right now is to get some kind of buzz from the fact that this movie is available in this way and maybe get people that wouldn't have gone to the theater to see it to now pony up 20 bucks which is better than the nothing they were making in the theaters maybe yeah, um it's, totally. it's you know it's tough to know like sometimes whether it's just my perception of a movie or whether it's really the way people are responding on mass but i had no real this movie wasn't really on my radar at all i had a kind of dutiful attitude about it like well i will do my duty as a pixar fan sure and i will i will go see it um and maybe i'll take henry but he wasn't interested nikki was more interested than henry and she wasn't very interested um and so uh yeah when it was available in this way it was like okay yeah i'm i'm curious enough and i i think it's kind of neat but it just points out to me something like The Invisible Man, which was getting great reviews and I thought was going to maybe have some life as a kind of midnight movie. And maybe it made back its budget. I don't know how much it cost or how much it made either. But I know it. I didn't hear anything but good reports about it. So yeah. I was kind of like you, Steve. I was glad to be able to watch it at home. But there was that kind of creeping sensation of like... Um, wow, how, how scared are they that they're not going to make their money or they're not going to make a dent in people's consciousness if people have to wait like one minute for this stuff. But when movies like that are, are, are being moved around, it is sort of like the thing that you just thought wouldn't happen. And I guess when you were saying about desperation, the more I talk about it, the more it reeks of desperation. Yeah. But it also feels like 
a weird kind of patient attitude to take a movie like Quiet Place 2 off the schedule and and not say anything about when it might come out. And I believe that's the case with Black Widow as well. There's no there's yeah. no stated yeah. date that it'll be available. I think both of those movies would be great movies to to see at home <laughs> before yes. too long. But I also think they're a little too big for them to do that to. So I think right now this this question we're asking has to be the same question that they're asking, which is like, what's the best fate for some of these movies? How much of a loss can they take? on these movies that were really supposed to be the very movies that were supposed to keep the the lights on for all these studios. Right. How would you feel if for Black Widow, Disney did a thing where for $10 you could see the movie. You get it. You get it forever for $10 on their service. You keep it. But you, you'd have to pay $10 for the movie. Would you do it? Yeah, I mean... Sure, if that was if that was the only way you're gonna get it, yeah. I'm gonna spend three or four times that at least taking you know like my family to go see it, and that's if we don't get any any refreshments. So we don't know what's gonna happen in the next couple months in terms of our access to theaters and all that stuff. So I mean, it's it's something to think about. Like, what if that becomes an option? Would you would you be down to pay for it? I mean, I, I want to see it as soon as I can because I thought it looked cool, and I think the cast is really great and so seeing Florence Pugh and David Harbour and and Rachel Weisz but I also think that there's a reason why Black Widow didn't get any closer attention before now I mean there's something kind of wide open about that character that doesn't seem like it sets it enough apart from other things on its own so I'm very curious what that movie is so yeah if it was available in that way I would I would definitely jump at it I think it would be a, a quicker sell too for my family some of these other movies that have come out for 20 bucks um, that's still a little high, uh, for, uh, just me to watch something. Right, right, right. I just, I can't see them I, like those big titles. Like, like I said before, I think that that's the moment that like, you know, the exhibitors or the theatrical companies would, would realize like, we are not like, they are not relying on us. Like if they found a way you know, to put, or if they decided to and succeeded at putting a movie like that, even on the standard VOD $20 thing that they're doing for the rental period, you know, it, with that specifically because it's a Disney title. So, you know, they could do that for three weeks and then put it on Disney Plus. Like they could, you know, make a shitload of money and still have it as a part of their platform. But, you know, I, I just think that, like, that's the moment that the theatrical companies, that the exhibitor services, that they were that they realize that a studio is not dependent on them to make money because there's other ways to make it. But I don't I don't know if it I don't I don't know that it's there yet. I mean, like I think that another example that we haven't really talked about are the ones that like like we're talking about that as an example for Black Widow, like a movie that is just going to come out on digital and not get a theatrical. Maybe it's a candidate, maybe it's not. But a movie that we're not talking about is is Paramount Pictures had a film coming out in a couple weeks. Um, with Issa Rae and Kamal Anjiani, like called the Loved Ones, that they they straight out just sold to Netflix. Like this movie ha- has had marketing. Love Birds, I think. Or Love Birds, sorry, yeah. And like that, you know, had marketing. Maybe seemed like a movie that wasn't going to make a lot of money. Probably was going to tank, but this just fell off the the schedule altogether and sold to Netflix for an undisclosed amount of money and is going to come out on Netflix shortly. Like that that's going to happen to more movies that were supposed to come out in the next 2-3 months that weren't the big profile movies that we're talking about but that were more counter programming titles or genre titles or things like that. 
that aren't going to be rescheduled because the calendar in the future hasn't changed. Like there's a reason that these titles are moved around in a chess game because of you know programming and making sure they optimize the the what they can make on opening weekend. Like that's the other thing is that like they can't just take this title out of you know April, May, and June and just slot it in in October because October is already stacked. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things where some of these movies that they don't see worth reinvesting money in. They're gonna they're gonna just they're gonna just dump them and sell them yeah. to Netflix or to Hulu or to Amazon you know for their Prime service or whoever the whoever the client is they're gonna just dump them because they're not the movies that were gonna make them a lot of money to begin with and that you know that's kind of crazy like that that that's happening also like there's all these different variations of what we're talking about where. You know, they're they're pushed back a year. They're pushed back indefinitely. They came out a week ago, or they're supposed to come out next week, and they're coming out on VOD now. Or they're being bought by a streaming platform. Like, it's just, it's the Wild West out there, like, right now with some of this stuff and this decision-making. It's it's just crazy. But, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the environment right now as it is. And it's changing, like, every couple of days you hear more and more movies being you know, announce what they're going to do about it, or if it's going to come out on VOD or anything like that. But we'll uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on it and keep talking about it. I'm sure on here. But like you were saying, John, we did see some movies too yeah. that are now available on these platforms. So what did we all see? We well, we saw onwards. We saw onwards. Um, and that's going to be on Disney Plus in two weeks. You said. Yeah, April. Uh, I think yeah, April third. I think I guess it ends up being three weeks from the from Friday when it came out. I believe. Right? So, like, does that is yeah. that a weird instance of Disney slash Pixar just giving up on a movie in a shocking fashion? Not not even the Good Dinosaur got treated like this. I mean, I mean, to be honest, like, I can't really see any other scenario for them to do. I mean, like, if theaters are going to be closed for the next, even if you said next month, that movie was already out for like two or three weeks, and or at least three weeks, I guess, and. What other option is there? Like, there's no, there's no, there's no venue or medium for them to put it out in besides this. And while people are still talking about the movie, and also maybe had planned on still going to see it, like like we had, like we were going to go in, you know, this weekend to take Sydney to see it. But like, it just is something that it's almost like they had no other option. I think like you're. Like, you're right. I think it was kind of like a weird marketing program for it. And, like, it didn't really carry, like, the must-see nature that a lot of those Disney Pixar animated films do. But even still, like, it got really good reviews. And it was doing okay at the box office. It was underperforming for sure. I think, like, by the time it all is done, it, it like, was in the 60s, you know, 60-some million, which is a, which is a bad uh, number um, for a Pixar movie. But... I don't. I don't really see what other option they had. You know what I mean? Like, what what else could they have done? There's a little bit of a referendum on just the status of Pixar as a movie studio that's going to have to make movies that don't hit that emotional cinematic bullseye that their that their biggest movies do. Do you know what I mean? And so, sure. but it's weird. It's weird that it's like a. Uh, I don't know a knock when a Pixar film is just pretty good or or just kind of good. Yeah. Something about the the fantasy world that it's depicting, it's it's not as clean and clear of a concept as like, oh, what what happens when you're to- when you leave the room? What do your toys do? Sure. Um, you know, or even uh, I don't really like cars, but a world of talking cars is like, okay, boom, you've got the concept. This is a little bit of a tricky 
convoluted concept. And and Pixar has had a few of those. Like Up is kind of a convoluted plot. A Good Dinosaur is a little convoluted. Um, um, other ones are that way. Ratatouille even. Uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. Do you guys know what I mean? That it felt like this movie, it, it it's just like you have to get kind of into it before you start to see what it's really about. But the world that it takes place in has a kind of it was a little fuzzy to me what that world really was. Like, I think in the end it was commenting on games and the worlds of games as much as it was commenting on like fantasy fiction. Right. This does not feel like a Pixar movie. This feels like all of the other companies that tried to imitate Pixar afterwards, um, after toy story kind of hit. And some of that means that like uh, the characters, the heart of it, the humor didn't feel quite as Pixar. And, um, the writing didn't feel it felt a little muddy in terms of the dialogue and it felt like you know the one of the things that's very clear sometimes in Pixar movies is the world and its guidelines and all i really knew was that they were in a world with these trolly sort of characters and it felt like the backstory didn't matter so much. It, it, it was weird. Like sometimes when I'm watching a Pixar movie, every little bit counts, right? Right. This felt like there was a lot of extra that didn't pay off in the end. But the second, the end of the second to the third act, I could argue some of the best Pixar's ever done, <laughs> which is another weird thing to come out of this movie. So I was very conflicted, man. Um, but I didn't hate it, and and I thought that there it, it had a lot of good things to it, but it did not feel like a Pixar movie on any level. That was weird. It shouldn't have felt like that. So I definitely agree that it doesn't feel like the Pixar movie, like that we kind of have come to ex- expect from them. And I think that's mainly because like it, like the story and the world that it's in, it feels like it could be like Rana was kind of getting at like this this story and this this world and like the characters and like the it factor of this movie feels more in line with what you could expect from DreamWorks or Blue Sky or any of those animation houses that, or even, you know, Warner's recently. It's totally DreamWorks. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It just, it definitely, and I, and I kind of said this on our thread, like it felt a little more like of those mainstream generic animated, um, with the content and with the story and the world that it's in. And it just didn't have that. It didn't have I, I, what they were going for as that original kind of Pixar magic idea, not literal magic as in the film, but like that magical thing that Pixar does when they just have that. Like you said, what happens to your toys when you close the door or when you leave your room or like, what do your emotions look like that are, you know, like whatever the whatever your favorite pixar movie is and that magical thing that is like so original and so unique and just genius like it just does it doesn't it doesn't have that and i think what they were going for like the whole idea of you know this magical place that magic exists and and these creatures that have these special abilities that they just don't use it because of you know convenience and technology and and even science like you know the 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 natural world has been kind of subdued by technology and forward progress in ways like that is kind of cool and and kind of crazy and like but not, it does it doesn't hit hard enough in the movie it doesn't have it doesn't have the layering in the film that you would expect from it if if that in fact was what they were going for uh when you compare it to some of the best Pixar movies out there and 
I just think that, um, you know, that's kind of where it hit me. Like, it definitely felt like a DreamWorks movie more so. Which, And that's not to take anything away from DreamWorks films, you know, like the what is it the how to train your dragon movies are like some of my favorite animated movies ever and like they they have their own formula that works but you know it just didn't feel like a like a standard pixar movie that said ronald hit it like the third act i feel like does kind of feel like it kind of closes out as a pixar movie and overall i mean honestly overall i still like the movie quite a bit and i mean i'm gonna be honest with you like we've we we've watched it a couple times and in the window that we had it because my daughter loved it and um yeah that those those moments that that really kind of hit with the brothers and you know the last like 10 minutes is just i think great and um i think the voice acting is really i think tom holland and chris pratt like that 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 their voice acting and their chemistry um in the movie as brothers i thought was really good some of the characters are really flat and kind of generic and even the voice performances are kind of generic but Overall, I thought it was really cool, and I thought certain sequences looked really great, and, um, you know, even still, I think it's, like, I think I thought it was good. Like, I thought it was fun, and definitely hit me, I mean, you know, really hard, you know, being a son, a brother, a father, like, it just, it really, that really moment at the end of the film really got me, and, uh, uh, and that's the Pixar thing that I, I kind of... The, the 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 tying it all together of the list and the realization like it just that fucked me up a little bit and made me think about things a little more than I was. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if, if you've seen you know, the movie, like, if you've seen the movie, you'll know what we mean when we say the list. I think the list yeah. moment got me, and then there's a moment where uh, a character is watching is kind of scrambling to, to look through a hole to see what is happening between two other characters uh, at a distance. Uh, yeah. uh, and in those moments, this, the second one in particular felt very Pixar to me because Pixar always has that at its best that when we talk about that Pixar thing of like, does it make you cry? <laughs> it's all about this kind of unflinching moment where something bad happens and you feel the tragedy of it. And this yeah. movie definitely has a kind of tragic aspect to it. I think the extent to which the movie does play a around with that thing of like is this a father-son movie or is this a brother movie and and the kind of ping-ponging between those two things i think that's where you see that pixar thing of like what's the emotional hook of this movie like where, where's the gut punch coming right um, right and you can kind of feel it coming there is that that dreamworksy feeling though and I, th- I do think that it's because of the sort of shrek world has already been established and this is this is totally different in a way but it's also not substantially different enough from right uh, uh, like you said generic characters i do think that there are moments though and i think here's what makes it not like dreamworks animation and this is where it is very pixar and you alluded to how pretty it is in spots steve but there's a few moments that are kind of breathtaking just in terms of what they do with atmosphere and texture and and um you know there's always something about like they've gotten better at rendering uh uh, nose hairs or whatever you know with these (laughs) these movies but i think they there are moments in this where you see what they're going for and there are two things that it reminded me of uh visually one is uh lord of the rings the movies yeah yeah and um the video game shadow of the colossus have either of you guys ever played that oh yes that's a great game but it had a similar sense of like magic is leaving the 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 world and uh 
And there are these monsters left out there in this game that you're going... And, and I always felt sort of bad. In Shadow of the Colossus, you're defeating these monsters, but I, it always feels like you're killing the last of its kind in this strange way, and there's something kind of mournful. But the sense of scale, especially yeah. late in the movie, there's a kind of big creature. The way it moves and the way it works, and even the way that they have to attack it and, and strike at a kind of energy core <laughs> that this that this creature has is very video gamey. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I wondered if Shadow of the Colossus was a direct reference, because some of those landscapes were very there's just this kind of empty landscape without much happening and these these characters wandering through it and it has this lost world sort of aspect to it that really did get to me and something about that made me wish I was looking at it on a giant screen um, and that's where it did it did feel like Pixar it did feel like okay yeah. they, they worked on the visual aspect of this world however the character designs in some cases were actually very boring uh, compared to what it could have been. And I think in DreamWorks, like if you could have seen, you know, the way character design works in the How to Train Your Dragon universe is much more uh, playful and interesting. And I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that kind of inventiveness just in terms of the shapes of things. Uh, there was a kind of blandness to some of the characters in this. I will say that if they did render something perfectly, though, for the first time, Julie Louis Dreyfus's character, they, they rendered the mom hair on that character. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Some of the best mom hair you've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I spent the whole movie going, who's that guy with um, their mom's new husband or boyfriend? Oh, yeah. It's the centaur cop. And before realizing it's, uh, it's Mel Rodriguez, the guy who played Marco on Better Call Saul. And he was Todd on Last Man on Earth. Yeah, um, Last Man. And now I, I would kind of want to see it again knowing that's him because I think there was a lot of him in that performance. Oh, yeah, definitely. The way it was animated. Definitely. No, it, yeah, I, it was very good. I mean, honestly, I agree with you, Steve. I really liked it. So, Steve, you mentioned that you thought the cast was good. Ronald, how did the how did the actors do for you? I, I thought that Chris Pratt was actually really great. I loved uh, Tom Holland and, and Chris Pratt. Um, the other characters, like Lena Waithe, I recognize her voice immediately. Her, she's been in so many things, it's kind of crazy. Um, I love the... Who was the, the uh, restaurant owner? Octavia Spencer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I liked her. Um, yeah, they... they, they sometimes... I wish that Disney would kind of go back to the 90s where there were just people that were good voice actors over them being famous. Because sometimes yeah. I get a little sick of hearing people do mediocre voice work. And just because they're famous and maybe great actors doesn't mean they're good voice actors. Because that's a different skill set. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I definitely have, feel like I've thought the same thing in a couple of movies. Yeah, it seems like Moana seemed like the only one where they were like, we're taking a chance on a young person that you've never heard of. But it was only because of like the the ethnic background and the history behind that. That was a little yeah. that made sense to me. But I think they should start doing that in general. I just want people that are good voice actors. I don't care if they're famous anymore. Like I used to when it was starting to happen, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Now I'm like, come on, man. This mediocre performance you're putting in right now. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird to sell an animated movie on that. I was actually just saying to Nikki today, I can't believe that that Robert Downey Jr. Um, Doctor Doolittle movie existed. <laughs> it's one of those trailers where it's like uh, uh, Craig Robinson is a rat and John Oliver is a giraffe. <laughs> did we uh, did we all see anything else together, or do we want to wait to talk about? The other ones for the next episode, like Invisible Man or The Hunt or... Yeah, I haven't seen those yet. You want to give us a, what is it, a quick Ritz? 
from Steve Ritter. <laughs> and we're supposed to have like a crunching sound effect, like you're eating Ritz crackers while you're. Uh, oh, I should have. I should have brought some up. I have plenty of crackers, and I should have brought some. We, we we don't buy Ritz anymore because of the palm oil. Because we're trying to be friendly to the orangutans. Um, and and I hate it. Like I'm getting to the point where if I ever see an orangutan, I might be a little bit resentful just <laughs> because I'm, I'm I'll be thinking about all the like the nutty buddies and the Ritz crackers and shit like that that I don't I don't eat now because of uh, oh man because of their home. Oh, they need a home. <laughs> a quick Ritz. Um, but yeah, so just quick, quick, quick Ritz. Like John said, I'm actually anxious to talk to you guys about these movies. But just I really like The Visible Man, The Hunt was was fun it was okay i thought it was gonna be a little better than it was um and then maybe by the time we talk next time a couple other ones coming out i did see the way back the ben affleck movie um i thought that was great i really like that too so um if you're looking for some of the vod items that are coming up over the next week or so if we don't you know eventually we'll talk about them but the Invisible Man, I really wish I would have seen in the theater for one scene especially, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about the scene, because you'll know it when you see it, and uh, thankfully, I did get to watch it in my basement, pretty nice-sized TV with surround sound in the dark, so that was really a blast to watch, actually. It was pretty good watching at home, but I would have I would have liked to see that in the theater for, for one specific scene, for sure, just to watch it with an audience, to, to feel the audience reaction to it. I'm a little freaked out about that one. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to watch it, and you know, I love, I love horror movies, but for whatever reason, I feel like that one's going to freak me out somehow. I feel like it's going to be upsetting. Is, is it, is it kind of rough, or is it more fun? Uh, it's honestly, it's both. I mean, like it's, 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 it's kind of brutal in a couple moments, but, uh, it, it is a really cool take on what this kind of movie could be. And, um, just the idea of manipulation and I don't even like, uh, what is it like gaslighting and things like that. It's just in today's world, like this shit's pretty, <laughs> unfortunately pretty, uh, timely and, I think the take for this film is pretty cool and pretty original. And I think Lee Whannell is like a really good director. Like people know him more as a writer and even an actor in, in many horror films like Saw. And, you know, he's in some of the uh, the Conjuring movies and I mean the Insidious movies, sorry. Um, but he's got some really, he, I think he's going to be like a bigger director like in the next couple of years. Like I feel like this was the movie that is going to, this movie was doing great by the way, before it got taken out of the theater. Like it, it was a $7 million budget and it had already made 60 plus million. So this movie, this movie was doing great and had amazing reviews. So it's kind of a bummer that it didn't get more than three weeks, but um, I do think it'll do really well on video on demand. Um, but do you think it gets this little pop though from that, that maybe it might not have gotten in its fourth week in theaters? Maybe it would have had a bigger week. Maybe. But I'm just wondering maybe. if like somehow it's it's now a movie, one of four or five movies that people who are, you know, even if you're just kind of attracted to this idea, I bet a lot of people rented something on Friday just because it was like, wow, here's a new thing. And it was popping up yeah. on every service and totally. there was a little bit of hype around it. I, one of you mentioned earlier, the quickness uh, of how this happened. I think the invisible man was one that that was like, Oh wow, that was a quick decision. They must've really weighed their options and thought, okay, maybe this, this would be like a bigger fourth weekend for this movie than it would have had in theaters. But right. I don't know if, the, if, you know, maybe, maybe we'll hear the numbers. Um, I wonder if piracy just instantly then steals a movie's ability to really earn, because I mean, I think there's a lot of people who will pay for something if they get a chance. And then there's people who flatly won't. So I wonder right. if, uh, I wonder if once a movie hits VOD, that's the problem is that then, then, you know, then the pirated copies are just as good 
as, uh, as anything you could get. So, uh, it's not, I mean, that's one thing the theatrical window sure. gives a movie is this period where if you do want to watch some pirated version of it, of it, you're watching a crappy, uh, cam. Someone went right. into a movie theater with a camera right. and, you know, now it's like, no, you've got the same video that someone else would have. So I wonder, I just wonder if like, that's the thing that's, that they just are up against, or is it that oh, piracy sure. is still such a small percentage of people that, uh, that it, you know, that that most people will pay. I don't know. I mean, I, I really wonder what that's going to mean for, for some of these movies, but you know, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll hear a, a report about how, how they did soon. Yeah. I'm very curious that they release like, and I mean, there's like websites where you can like see VOD performance and like things like that, but I'd be curious to see yeah how they do. But I mean, even where it got pulled, like that movie still made almost 10 times its budget in theaters. So that's a good thing for Blumhouse, for Lee Wanell, for this film. And I mean, I, I, it's just I, I I thought it was great. Like I I I really liked slash loved it. I want to watch it again, hopefully. But um, Aaron so his really last movie was too. Upgrade, right? Yeah, which I also thought was great. I, 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 love, I love that movie too. Yeah. I mean, that's another uh, cheap. Am I right? That was a ten yeah. million dollar movie yeah. or fifteen million or something. Um, and it's made with that Jason Bloom oversight of like you you keep it under a certain budget and you can make whatever movie you want, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lee Wanell, you know, maybe he's one of those guys whose name is going to keep popping up on these interesting genre films. Like I enjoyed Upgrade. I think other people were were bigger on it than me. I wonder if I saw it a second time if I would be more kind of relaxed into the tone of it. Um, yeah, but I think that's an interesting movie because it does, you know, it does the job of a genre movie. It's got the scope of a of a futuristic movie or kind of a sci fi movie, but um, it keeps it small. Yeah, Bloomhouse is now going to say, "Here's a guy who who can bring something in," and this is like a much smarter way. Even even though I haven't seen the movie, but just a, a cheap movie that can actually be classified as a horror film. Um, it, that's a much smarter way to revitalize these universal monsters than what they were trying with the uh, the dark universe or whatever that was called before. Right, uh, right. That they tried before. Like this just feels like a much better way to say, all right, like you said, Steve, what what can you take about the Invisible Man? Um, which, when it was written, was was a commentary on like uh, morality, the idea of invisibility. Like, what could you possibly benefit from being invisible that is not sort of nefarious, you know, like, yeah, definitely. Invisibility is one of those powers where when you think about it, like, Oh, I'd like to be able to do it, but it's like, there's nothing good (laughs) that you can do (laughs) with invisibility with super speed. You can help with super strength. You can help, but invisibility, all you can do is like sneak around. Um, so there is something about like what that would do to your mind. Um, if you had that ability, you know, if you were able to be this person. So to, put that in the modern world, especially in this kind of, uh, it looks to me from the trailers, like a domestic abuse situation, which is, which is what is kind of upsetting to me and makes me wonder if I'll be able to relax and, and enjoy that. But, um, but it looks great. And Elizabeth Moss is almost always fantastic. So. Yeah, she's fantastic. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. I don't want to say anything else, but we should, we should catch up on that one on the next episode. Absolutely. Do you want to to try to talk again sooner than we might? Like maybe try to do this in a week or something like that. Yeah, I'd love that. Let's let's try to watch the hunt and uh, and the Invisible Man and maybe anything else. We'll give a second quarantine report. (laughs) That works. Yeah, man, that sounds good. Until then, we will be wearing rubber gloves and face masks, and we won't touch our own bodies. And um, (laughs) we will be using uh, hand signals to uh, communicate with our loved ones. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, the world we are in now is nuts, man. Uh, 
It's only getting more and more interesting. By the time we do the next one, we'll be, we'll be saying that Black Widow is on VOD. What the hell? I know, man. <laughs> we'll be saying, we'll be saying Black that. Widow is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Uh, well, uh, movieshmovie.net and uh, facebook.com slash movieshmovies where we're at on social media. Um, if you're catching anything at your house on video on demand, anything that you're streaming that's uh amazing or that we need to watch while we're doing this quarantine thing together um let us know on probably facebook is probably the easiest way um but yeah we'll get together sooner than later and and touch on uh some of these new video on demand releases that could have should have would have been in theaters at this time that'll be a nice uh do a nice catch up on all those and make sure you guys check out you you make sure you guys get the um if you can watch the way back to maybe we could talk about that i'd be curious what you guys thought of that too yeah, yeah, I'm excited I think, that, I think that I think that comes out this Friday on video on demand. Um, but well, maybe we can talk about a few different things. So, uh, otherwise, you guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I would actually like to mention if people want to hear uh, me and Ronald talking about an episode of uh, the old Steven Spielberg anthology show from the '80s, Amazing Stories. You can go to FYIZ is the name of the the podcast feed that it's on. Um, I, I think if you go to Spotify, you can search for Amazing Stories FYIZ, and it just takes you right to it. And it's it's a beautiful. Um, That's awesome. and, and Steve will actually be on a future episode of that as well. So if you're a fan of this show and you want to hear more um, uh, pop culture talk from at least two of the three voices, you can you can check that show out. That's a show called Are They Though, an Amazing Stories podcast. Cool. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. Definitely check that out. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I haven't watched the new one yet, but I need to. I need to catch up with it. I have not heard amazing things. I'm but, not even uh, that interested in the new one, even though theoretically it could have been this great thing that bowled people over. It's like it came out, and you know, the trailer. The, the most interesting thing about it to me is that Robert Forster is the star of one because he's. You know, he's a guy who died recently, but apparently did a lot of work right before he died because he's he yeah. keeps popping up and things. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm curious about it, but yeah, I'm I'm not even as interested in it as I am the kind of nostalgia factor of the of the '80s version. But um, I think I expected to see more crazy talent attached in terms of who's writing and directing or whatever. But it doesn't seem. I mean, it's a bunch of names that maybe have have done stuff, but I don't know if you've looked at the creative teams on the on the new ones. It's not like this. It's not like this murderer's row of of interesting. Directors right. and writers, right, uh, right. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not familiar with them, but you have to check them out. I haven't looked too much into it. I, I will though. Uh, uh, yeah, man. So we'll get back. We'll get back together in a few days or a week or so, and, and catch up and uh, see see what we've seen. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Well, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.